Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an episode of The Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan, he is Mac. Hi! We're doing uh, something uh, weird, interesting, yes, both. Just a choice? Just a choice, I don't yeah. know. Um, but uh, it's one of the biggest TV shows out there right now. I think certainly probably the biggest animated TV show. It yeah. is crude, it is crass, uh, also partially insightful. This show is Rick and Morty. Uh, Mac, this was your selection, yes, yeah. uh, and it took us a bit to get here with us being in Dallas and then having a snowstorm kind of impede our progress in terms of reviewing this show. But now we're here, we're yeah. in one room, and now we can finally discuss this show that was created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. So Mac, I really want to get off the bat. Why did you pick this show for this show? So... Um, I was watching uh, through the entire series again whenever season four came out. Because it's a pretty short series, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's not terribly long. Yeah, Not at all. Um, and I think that's because apparently it is a bitch to animate. Like, I was watching a, um, a, an interview with a couple of the people that are on the show, that work on the show. Right. And they were talking about how they've already written through season eight. What? They've already written eight seasons. And like unchanged, they're like, yeah, no, this is how, this is what the story is for eight seasons, right? And because they've they've already been signed on for ten. Oh my god! By Adult Swim. Oh yeah. my god! And that's why they went to like a poor network like Adult Swim is because they they were like, you know, we we could go and be a pretty good show for you know Netflix or whatever, yeah. or we could rule a network. Um, Which is truly what they've done. Absolutely, I mean, they're the only Adult Swim show that people give a shit about anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like Game of Thrones and HBO. Yeah. The Game of Thrones was like, okay, well, we could go somewhere else, or we could dominate HBO yeah. for however long we're on. And there. like, it's it's another case too that is, it's not necessarily like Game of Thrones is not the only thing on no. HBO, but so much of the time, like you think of HBO, then probably the first show that will pop into your mind right. is Game of Thrones. Right. And that and is certainly the case with Adult Swim, which is on, if you don't know, uh, Cartoon Network, yeah. but very late. At night. <laughs> yeah. Very specific audience that tunes in for that. Yes. Um, and so uh, th- they were talking about how, yeah, they've written eight seasons so far. And they uh, the recording takes no time at all. Like they can record an entire season in a few days. Yeah. But it's just animating. They hand draw every freaking frame. Yeah. It takes forever. And so it takes like a couple years to crank out, you know... Um, ten episodes, twenty minutes a piece. Yeah, which is hilarious to think about. And how the joke, hard that is and the joke, not the joke. Sorry, the show makes it a joke. It goes a little bit meta, and th- that's probably a word that you're going to hear a lot during this episode. How often the show uh, does meta things? Yeah. Like it addresses oh, yeah. uh, the sort of fourth wall and like what's actually happening in the show. Right. And the show addresses. A season takes like a year and a half, and I think at the very end of either season two or season three, it's like, okay, guys, see you in a year and a half from now. Yeah, yeah. The well, one thing that I appreciate so much about the way that they treat their meta moments yeah. and the fourth wall breaks is that they are aware of the fact they're in a show. Yes. Yeah. But what's so impressive is that they're not aware that they're not real people. <laughs> they're still fully real people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is partially what makes it so funny, right? And so th- they have made a perfect show and characters for commercials, for shorts. I've seen a bunch of commercials since season four came out, a bunch of commercials. Um, and so, like, there was one commercial for, for, for the PS5 right. where uh, Morty is just sitting there and he is get, saying the exact script that PS5 gave them. Like word for word, and he keeps looking back at Rick, and Rick keeps keeps going like, "Yeah, I keep going." And the entire time that Morty is like stumbling through this commercial script, uh, Rick's just counting money in the background. <laughs> he's just counting all the money they got from the PS5 commercial, and then he's like, uh, 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 "Rick, I, I don't know what to say anymore." And then yeah. and then Rick is uh, he chimes in and he's like. Uh, okay, and then he just looks straight at the camera, and he's like, buy the PS5, it rocks. Uh, suck a dick. And, like, that's, you know, that, that's all they have to do. For those of you who don't know, Rick and Morty is essentially about a extremely drunk but crazy mad scientist, incredibly intelligent grandfather named Rick, and his mostly incompetent high school grandson, 
Morty. And they essentially go on adventures for the most part every episode. We see some episodes uh, divert from the formula for good reasons, right? But that is the basis of the show. And But as to sort of what you were speaking to, Mac, and kind of like a, a big reason why probably that some of the recording takes a very short amount of time to perform is that it feels and it definitely is that so much of this show is sort of improvisational yeah you have a lot of characters in this show that is played by one of the creators justin roiland just justin roiland plays both rick and morty and does actually a very very good job of making those characters really really distinct both emotionally and vocally. It is impressive that yeah. if you told me at, at the get-go, hey, those two characters, same person. That is ridiculous yes. because of how difficult it is, especially in a scene where really the only person you have to go off of is yourself. Yeah. So it's really tricky to actually cultivate conflict for your character right. when you're just looking in the mirror. And funny enough, he has gone on record many times saying that that is actually how he prefers it. That he didn't realize that he would like that at first, and yeah. then once he was given that opportunity to play both characters in a scene, all of a sudden he was like, oh wait, this is acting is so easy when I'm the one giving myself stimuli. It's the equivalent of that Pixar short where it's the, it's the I think it's a Pixar short for Toy Story 2 where the old man is, either Toy Story 1, where the old man and is chess? playing chess. Yes. With himself. Yeah, yeah. And that is exactly what Justin Roiland does with this yeah. character. Yeah, that makes so much uh, sense. He also plays a multitude of other side characters in this show. There and are it kind of. Like, but it kind of gets to a point like, oh, that's Justin Roiland. Oh, that's Justin Roiland again. Oh, that's Justin Roiland. Right. Could they not get anybody else to do that? Okay, it's Justin Roiland improving, shooting right. the shit again, once again. Um, but that is also one of the most charming pouts, not pouts, parts about the show that I love so much is that it's so fun. And you can feel the fun that all the creators and writers and actors are having as the show is happening. Everyone on this project is having a good-ass time at all yeah. times, which is really refreshing. And you can see that in episodes. I know we're going to talk about it a bunch, I'm sure. But uh, like Intergalactic Cable. Okay, so Interdimensional, interdimensional cable, cable. But, but... I'm the worst. So, Mac, I want you to answer this question very plainly. It's going to be a yes or no question, and I doubt you really have to think oh, on it much. I bet I can guess your, your question. Do you like the Interdimensional Cable episodes? There are only really two. Yeah. There are two others that kind of shoot in that vein. But they even only, say... Yes, and they say, hey, we're doing this instead of Interdimensional Cable. Which is but hilarious. Just for the two episodes... Yeah that are actually interdimensional cable, which are episodes where Rick and Morty are watching TV, but it's TV from, like, alternate dimensions. So you may have, like, a commercial for this really bad Bad Boys ripoff, for example, which yeah. is probably one of the better ones. It's just absurd stuff like that. Or real fake doors, like a commercial for that. Right. So do you like interdimensional cable? I do. Oof. I know you don't. I really hate those episodes. Yeah, and, and of course you don't because you're a big fan of uh, structure and plot and moving moving story. Yeah, so those two... And this two, is the exact opposite. And Exactly. Those two episodes, you get some plot in them. Like, in the very Barely. first... Inter yes. In the very first interdimensional cable, what it feels like, it's like 15 minutes of fluff. Yeah. And then at the very end, it's like, oh, actual character development between Beth and Jerry, who are uh, Morty's parents. Actual character development there. I had to sit through 20 minutes, like 15 to 20 minutes of eh, sort of improv, at least to me, yeah, right? Sure, sure, sure. Where Because my, my issue with a lot of the improv in this show is that I feel like anybody can do it. Yeah. And I understand like that's a lot of fun to do in a room and to experience live. Yeah. But when you're watching also a television show that is, as you said, painstakingly animated. It's like, oh, so this is how you allocated your time? Yeah. Like, I, and I don't necessarily need the show to be highfalutin, right? Like, yeah. I think Kayla Cobb of Decider says it really, really well. 
of the show. It's a never-ending fart joke wrapped around a studied look into nihilism, which is the best explanation you can give of yeah. the show. And not every episode has to do that. I understand. True. Like it, That's just how the nature of some television shows work where most of the episodes cover its own plot. Right? But... I still have a problem with those interdimensional cable episodes because it just meanders into nowhere, right? So I think the really, really clever part that the show does and does really, really well, and it's one of my favorite parts about this show, is that on the outside, it's a fart joke. It's nothing. It's just this sort of shtick that's being thrown around everywhere. It's slapstick. It's poop and pee and sexual jokes everywhere and that is the bread and butter of the show right but then when you actually think about what is happening like plot wise and character wise within episodes for most of them you're actually sort of getting an inside look into uh, a character's psyche and their sort of usually insecurities that bubble really in that episode i think season three does a really good job of that where nearly every episode visits a character's insecurity with how it relates to beth and jerry's divorce and they just divorced for that one season and so you may get an episode like the second episode where it's like the mad max episode and it looks at summers oh who is morty's sisters her vulnerabilities and her insecurities when it comes to that sort of divorce. Then you also get another episode and multiple episodes where it's Jerry and he is dating this uh, crazy warrior oh, yeah. alien. And it's a very clear look, com comedically of course, but a very clear look into his own insecurities and him trying to prove himself to his now ex-wife. And I think the show does an incredible job of that. So that's what makes interdimensional cable finally bringing it back around so frustrating for me is because it doesn't do that period yeah that i i know pretty certainly because you could it, it reads off the screen how much fun it is for those actors and for those directors for those people in that booth to just do that right yes but when it's kind of borderline not really that funny, and maybe it's funny the first time, and I think I probably laughed a bunch the first time, but then re-watching at least those two episodes yeah. the second time, because I watched this season with you, I believe, a few years ago, yes. uh, the series, the first three seasons at least, and then re-watching it again sort of last week and the week before, that it's just a whole lot of nothing. True. And so the fart jokes, what makes those fart jokes really, really good is that there's something underneath and those fart jokes don't have anything underneath. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes unfunny to me, at least, at the very least, the second time viewing. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would say it really does have a lot to do with what you find funny. Because I would agree that the jokes themselves are not that funny. Yeah. And there are a lot of pop culture references, yeah. which is probably going to make the show not age well at all. Like in no. one episode, I believe it's season four, they referenced Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I want to let you know that I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp in theaters, and I have already forgotten that movie. That <laughs> when I they brought it up, I had to sit there for a good yeah. two minutes, and I'm like, so what was that movie about? I can't even remember. Ant -Man and, the Wasp and they made that. a joke about that movie. That joke is going to be die the moment it reaches your ears five years at, at the most yeah. in the future yeah 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 and yeah I, I don't think that the that the jokes themselves are are particularly golden or bulletproof right but um for me i'm willing to i'm just so thrilled by the concept purely yes. because i haven't seen it before yes the premises are immaculate. Yeah. And, and so whenever it comes to, yeah, whenever it comes to interdimensional cable, I'm sitting there and I can't wipe the smile off my face purely because they're doing things that I'm just shocked that they're allowed to do. Uh -huh. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, someone's actually letting them get away with this. This is insane. Like, how far can you really take it? And they really push the limits. And I think that they push the limits push the limits of the show in 
several different ways. But that specific detail, that specific way in which they um, push past anything that I've ever seen another show do is specifically funny to me. So they could be saying literally anything. It yeah. could absolutely be no jokes whatsoever, and I would still be smiling, thinking to myself, I'm shocked that I'm watching this right now. There, I mean, one of my favorite episodes in this show is an episode called Rattlestar Ricklactica. Yeah. By the way, every single episode title is a reference to some sort of movie, yeah. usually, or sometimes a TV show. Um, but here, this episode is about this snake race... <laughs> that yeah that i i'm i'm trying to remember it perfectly but morty sends a snake uh from earth over to this snake infested planet like this planet is completely run by snakes uh and they've been at complete civil war due to race of all things yeah um which Rick pokes fun at. It's like, oh, so that, that, I mean, that's funny. All they're doing is because of race. Like they're, you know, it's, it's sort of poking fun at the fact of the mirror yeah. uh, being held, but snakes are experiencing that too. Yeah, right. Um, and they have a very similar history, apparently. Yes. Like and so, end up being the same. Morty gets bit by a snake astronaut. Uh, they kill it, and Morty gets, you know, the poison that was, that entered into his, of bloodstream. And also it's like during, while they're out in space, right? So he starts suffocating too. Exactly. Um, But luckily, uh, Rick helped create an antidote and cured Morty of this venom that entered into his bloodstream. Now, Morty felt guilty. Oh, so this snake died and this snake society is going to have no idea about just what happened to that snake. So him feeling guilty, he got a snake at like a pet smart and then found a way to drop off this snake and pose it as the astronaut in this society. And then it becomes this these snakes figuring out that there is life outside of their planet and they all band together and it becomes this insane but wacky and zany Terminator episode. And a bunch of snakes from the future are traveling back in time and are trying to kill each other left and right. And so much of this show and this series, it's a parody of other things, right? But I think what makes a show excel in so many points is that even if you don't pick up the references and and premises like that, Mm -hmm. the jokes still sort of, of the premises, still stand alone by themselves, right? right? So... In, in reference to the individual jokes that are written, not all of them are going to land. And probably a big part of them are probably not even written in the script. Yeah. It's probably saying, hey, Justin, just say a funny thing. Uh, hey, uh, Chris Parnell, say uh, just a very loser thing that uh, Jerry would say. But when it comes to the sort of plot mountain that they that they construct, the world, the very, very small 20-some minute world that they construct for an episode i for the most part nine times out of ten nine times out of ten i am always ridiculously impressed by the amount of creativity that goes into it because i sit back every episode and i think to myself man i could never think of that yeah it's but it's this weird dichotomy right at least to me in my experience where you get these insanely creative premises and then sometimes the dialogue is not very creative at all. Yeah. And so I think, but it, it also speaks to what the show is saying slash doing, that on surface level, it's very, very stupid. And the show is very, very stupid. But the show also makes sure to address themes such as loneliness and, and like I said before, insecurities. Those are very big things thematically in this show. And you don't have to be super duper intelligent to understand, hey, the, the, those are the things that this show is speaking to in some of these sure. episodes. Um, but I think that's where this show succeeds the most. And so with the case of Rattlestar Reclactica, <laughs> um, that show kind of addresses a little bit into Morty's guilt factor of him needing to... Uh, supply this 
alien snake race with answers and trying to give them hope and completely contrasting yeah. his foil Rick with not giving a shit all matters of the day. And we see that so much of the case with Rick throughout the series where he doesn't give a shit and that is both to Rick's betterment and most of the time to Rick's detriment with how his relationship is with the rest of the characters of the show. And so the show is a very lighthearted sort of factor that it's doing. But then you also have these characters go through heartbreak yeah. in this very meaningful way. And the show isn't afraid to address that. But the show also isn't afraid to immediately dip out of that. Right. And it's 100% doing it on purpose. Because they're saying, look, the show is kind of about this. But, I mean, this show wouldn't be this show if we spent an entire 30 minutes on these two characters crying about their problems. Yes, yes, yes. I would say that, uh, well, I mean, wrapping back around like 20, yeah. minutes, 20 minutes later um, to why I picked this show in the first place. Yeah. It is because I, I was watching the show. I was watching the show back over again, and I was doing it with Emma, my girlfriend, right? And we're, we've watched... Uh, Two seasons already. We're starting the third season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in the middle of, I think, episode two of season three, she says, um, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm confused. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she was like, I, I, th I think I missed something. And I was like, what do you mean? I want to put a quick pin. Has Emma seen the show Never before. prior to this Never point? before. Okay. Um, and she's like, wait, I think I'm confused. And I'm like, why? And she's like, I think that I might have missed something. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And she was like, well, to be honest... I was kind of texting through the first two seasons because <laughs> I thought that this was just some dumb show. Yeah. And now I'm realizing I actually needed to pay attention because it's actually a show that's starting to give me plot all of a sudden. Like I'm actually starting to learn things about the characters and they're starting to make references to past episodes and it's starting to get a lot more complex in season three and season four. Um, and uh, that that I think is the reason that I like this show so much is because it is so deceptive in how clever it is. Yeah. It's not clever at face value, just like you said. But the longer you watch and the more you sit and think with the show, not like about the show, but as long as you sit and think with the show, you start realizing, oh my gosh, this show is really, really stellar and a lot better than... I had given it credit for because it it doesn't ask you to give it much respect. No, not at all. No, it actually I feel like it asks you to give it no respect. Period. Yes, and and I think that that is one of the most clever things they do. Yeah. Um, like you're talking about uh, the heavy moments and how they they're willing to dip out of yeah. them. I have to say that all three of my favorite moments in terms of comedy, the times in which I laughed the absolute hardest, heaving laughter. Yeah are all, like, maybe some of the most depressing moments in the show. <laughs> and they're not, like, slapstick, like, punchline jokes. Yeah. It's just we sit in absolute depression, and it's hilarious. Could you give... I'd be happy to. Oh, please. I'd be happy to. Oh, so... Take the words um, right out of my mouth. Just like, oh like, God, like a clown. Sir. Like a just clown. pulling all the fabric. So, um, one <laughs> of my favorites is uh, Rick makes a robot... That it's only, do you know what I'm talking about? It's only purpose is to hand Rick the butter because the butter is across yeah. the table. And it's at the very beginning of an episode. Yeah, and they it's don't really passing. go back to it at all. Yeah. This but is just one just small joke. Yep. A tiny, tiny bit of back and forth. And uh, Rick says, Hey, robot, could you go get the butter? The bu he brings the butter and then he says, What else am I supposed to do? And Rick says, Nothing. You're really just made for butter. And the, the robot looks down in his hands and he says, oh my god. And Rick, <laughs> and Rick says, welcome to the club. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so clever. And it yeah. really does speak to me. I'm sitting there thinking like, oh man, fucking preach. That you're like, god, I, I'm, I must be made for so much. And then I'm like, oh, I'm, what are we really made for? I'm just a small cog in this yeah. large wheel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then... Um, and there, and I mean, there are a bunch of oh, 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 they they go on an adventure together, and at first Rick is like, yeah, it's only gonna take like like fifteen minutes, and then like two several, weeks, later. yeah, several weeks later, they um they are like given this award by a planet, and yeah. they are driving away, or they're like flying away, or whatever, in their spaceship, 
and they're like trying to keep it together or whatever. And then they just both start sobbing because they're like, oh my God, that just happened. They're the going amount crazy. of stress yeah, the that relief. exudes and is finally off their shoulders that it, you, it's hard to explain yeah. until you're in that moment where all that stress sort of leaves your body and it's just like, so and it leaves funny. you and it's just, you're just a shell. Yeah. You're just a shell at that point. You're like, <laughs> and right. you, for the first time in your life, you breathe. Right, right, You're right, like, right. oh my God. And that's exactly what happens in that moment. And you're absolutely correct that the show is definitely at mm-hmm. its funniest at its most depressing Yes. Moment. And then my gold medal, actually. <gasps> Get into my gold medal. A ghetto. A ghetto. Get ready. <laughs> my my gold medal actually goes to this one moment. It was the moment it, I was laughing so hard that I would cry and we had to pause the show for me to calm down because I couldn't keep watching it. I was laughing so hard. Um, that's not an exaggeration. My God. We were watching. It's the part. It's very early where... Uh, Rick and Morty make some bad decisions. Yes. And so... As they do all the time. The earth in their dimension (laughs) falls apart. Yes. And goes into absolute chaos. They're in the apocalypse. Everyone dies except for their family. And Rick and Morty feel so bad about this. They can't keep living in this world anymore. So they teleport to another dimension... And they decide that they're going to live there because it's very it's almost identical to their version of Earth, and but they have to kill the other that dimension's versions of themselves and bury them in the backyard and carry on as if it didn't happen. And it's not like funny and like oh let's move on. Like they really have to emotionally deal with it. And when you say they, it's definitely just Morty. Yeah, And right. Rick treats it like it's a Tuesday. Right, right. And, and, and Morty has to wrestle with the fact that he's left his family behind and that he has killed himself and, like, had to do it with his bare hands. And he's buried in the backyard right now. And his grandfather is saying, okay, I, I'll... Grab my body. Uh, you'll grab your body. Uh, that's probably the most fair way to, you know, do this. It's just as if nothing yeah, happened. Yeah, right. And in the complete sort of just, just, I don't know how to explain it, but dismissal. It's a complete dismissal on yeah. everybody else. There is not a character more selfish in probably in media in general, yeah. than Rick Sanchez. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say so. Every decision that he makes is purely selfish. But I think and what... And gross. And what makes the show sometimes actually really, really interesting is that when you actually get those very, very small, tiny windows of Rick not being selfish, and I, the show kind of puts itself up to that, right? We were speaking a couple of weeks ago with our friends Izzy and Hannah on Phineas and Ferb and how a show find a show like that at least, right? This animated show that each episode has its own plot, that they find their formula and they do a really good job of sticking to the formula and finding different ways just within that formula to spice things up and change it up. So yeah. each episode is a unique experience, right? And then Occasionally, they will break that wheel. They will break that formula where all of a sudden this show throws a sudden curveball that you actually have an episode to bring up the fact that Rick and Morty changed directions, Mm -hmm. that they address it in an episode later on where Morty is talking to Summer and is like, hey, actually, I'm not your real brother. Your real brother is out there buried in the garage. That's insane. Life is meaningless. Do you want to watch TV? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... Oh, it's so relatable, though, And man. so the show never really deviates from that formula, but when it does, it's like, oh, you're really actually hits. keeping tabs on the storytelling that you have. And you never forget that this storytelling is literally covered in shit. Yeah. But you're always keeping tabs of what you're doing and what you're saying with your people. And even though they take so many shortcuts and they really give themselves outs, like they really cheat in terms of making the story flow and make sense. And they're like, you know what? If we don't like this storyline, 
all of a sudden, a uh, spaceship crashes into the planet, and, uh, and no one lives anymore, and so we have to go to a different storyline all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, they, they cut corners big time. Yeah. But they really do, like, keep it logically sound in terms of, like, like the the world that they create. They're like, you know what? We're not going to start over every episode. It really is going to track. Yeah. And they do a very good job of it, too. Like, exactly what you just said. I... Laughed super hard at it, but I totally forgot about the fact that Rick and Morty are buried out in the backyard. And then he brings it up, and I start laughing again because I'm like, holy shit, I forgot that and they're buried the first there. episode of season three, that becomes relevant yeah. because they dig Rick's body in order to get a buried portal gun yeah. from the body. So once again, yeah, the show keeps incredible tabs on these things. And so each episode is its own sort of world, but there are consequences yeah. to things that happen. Yes. So we were talking about we're talking about the the way in which the show uh, progresses, how it actually does keep tab of its story, how it actually does very deceptively and very very minimally have a story that they're actually telling from top to bottom, and uh, we were also mentioning the the. Uh, foil between Rick and Morty. And using all those topics, I want to get into a much larger topic when we come back from a break, yeah? Wow! And welcome back to the Artens with Mac and Dan. So, we left off talking about uh, maybe teasing some of the uh, crazy theories that come out of this show. The fact that there's these huge, huge um, plots and characters that... Uh, leave a lot of uh, questions unanswered, but um, and you would never expect it from face value to do so, but they absolutely do. yeah yeah they really do. And the exciting part is, is that the longer you watch the show, you realize that the things they leave unanswered are intentional. It's not like they are just lazy. They really the writers actually do know exactly what they're doing, which is so relieving to be honest. Um, so from this show is born endless. Hours of film theory of people making up crazy theories about um, like what the show could be or what things could mean. Um, one of them that makes so I'll talk about one that's insane that makes a little bit of sense, uh-huh. and then one that makes a whole lot of sense that I'm excited to see what happens. Okay. Um, the craziest one being there are a lot of people that believe that. The version of Rick, because we're watching just one version of Rick and Morty. That's right. The Rickest Rick and the Mortiest Morty. Yeah. Uh, they believe that the, our Rick <laughs> is yeah. actually a Morty. What? Uh, yeah. Now. Okay. Because apparently in one of the episodes, they very passingly mention that Morty has dis- disguised himself, or one of the Mortys has disguised themselves as Rick C-137. Right. And uh, after season four ended, they made a couple shorts. Uh, they made a couple shorts of the uh, of Rick and Morty, and they were not even uh, written or created by uh, Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland. It was by an anime director from Tokyo, and they gave him permission to make anime shorts of. Rick and Morty. This is the first time I'm hearing of this. Yeah, and so even the cartoon style. You didn't tell me this during the break? Oh, well, sorry. I didn't freaking know. Asshole. I didn't know. And okay. so uh, they have... We're going to talk about this later. They, oh, Sorry. <laughs> they they literally have a, a, a Rick and Morty um, uh, that, that was entirely designed to be uh, anime. Um, and it's and, and they're only like eight... eight what?! Eight minutes a pop. I also want to explain really fast. If you heard like keyboard tapping and clicking in the background, that is because Mac is currently showing me uh, images from this Rick and Morty anime, which it's still very clearly, you know, Western inspired in terms of the character design, particularly yeah. the eyes. Um, but it's just so weird, and it's so yeah. not what the show is but it still yeah, uh, embodies a lot of the character of what the show represents and no one ever uh, claimed that like oh yeah this is this is Rick and Morty by any means because and they say that several times like this is not Rick and Morty this is just like a funny spin-off that like an anime director made but in that spin they so they kept saying don't pay attention to this don't worry about this don't worry about this but um there was a 
one of the shorts was about how Rick um, C-137 is the Rick that we're with. Okay. Meaning that it is actually Morty. But Morty has figured out a way to transform his outer shell to make him look like a Rick so that he gets more respect. So that he can uh, reap the benefits of the Citadel of Ricks. So who's the Morty? The Mortyest of Mortys, as you said. Who is the Morty that we are witnessing in this show if it is not Morty from Dimension C-137? You say it's in Rick's body? Uh, What? Yes. So it's... Evil Morty. What is this? Why? Okay. You you recognize Evil Morty? Yes. Evil Morty, to explain, it's... Uh, well, actually, there's not really much to explain now it's that I'm saying it out, out loud. Yeah, it's just a Morty who's evil. Yeah, who, who swears that he is going to get revenge on all the Ricks that have underestimated the Mortys yeah. and uh, is going to defeat the Ricks. Because there is an entire society of Ricks and Mortys, yeah. and Ricks always have control over their Mortys. Yes. And this Morty is going against the grain. And and this idea gives birth to one of the most interesting concepts that the entire show dives into, which is the episode where, uh, for the very first time in this society, in the Citadel of Ricks, uh, a Morty is running for president. Yes. Um, in this society. And everyone's like, oh, you're an idiot. You're never going to be voted. No one's ever going to vote a Morty as president. And and then the, it, it ends up being an evil evil Morty. And he starts, like, assassinating all the comp- all the competitors. Right. He assassinates everybody in his office that yeah. he does not trust slash are ricks that are also very, very selfish. Right. And he wants pawns. Yeah, and so he is able to weasel his way into office. And it's so interesting, and it tells you a lot about the direction which the show is going. So that was a crazy theory, but this kind of segues into the other theory, which is I I actually do believe that this show, because the first two seasons obviously were like, is there really plot here? And then season three and four, there really, really is. This does start to be conflict and story that's happening. Yeah. And I Very think that, much so underlying everything yeah. that's happening in this show, yes. And now knowing that they've signed on for a minimum of 10 seasons, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so what is this looking like long-term? What's the long-term, long-term story that we're getting here? And I think the answer is the conflict between Rick and Morty because the more time that Morty spends with Rick, the smarter Morty gets. Mm-hmm. But... Rick is never going to allow Morty the respect to actually blossom into his potential. Right. He's always going to be underneath Rick. Because why would he? I mean, like, if you just take a look at Rick, it's yeah. very clear he wants to control every situation that is in the room. Yeah. And so, as you see in seasons three and four, Morty is, like, his arc really is really dependent on him wanting more and more and more agency and independence and uh, decision-making power in their adventures. And uh, Rick continuously shitting on him. Yes. And telling him that he is worth nothing. And Rick occasionally allows Morty to make some decisions, but, but it's never a lot of it... A lot of it... Well, a lot... Exactly. He never looks at Morty as an equal. It is always sort of out of pity and sometimes out of love that he would never admit to. Never, ever admit to. Yeah. Never. Um, and so there are... Ah, I can think of a million examples right off the bat in which uh, Rick is... Telling Morty, you're meaningless, and you you do not belong here, and do not deserve to be here. And so there are a lot of options in terms of where they can go with that. They can go as far as our Morty, the Mortyest of Mortys. Now, <laughs> I know I love that we're calling him that. Uh, he joins Evil Morty and tries to take down Rick. Um, he could uh, just leave Rick behind. He could have a fight so big with Rick that Rick just packs up and leaves. But this tension has been growing for several seasons and is going to have to come to a head. Yeah. And that's exciting. You're like, oh my gosh, there's l- actually story on the horizon. 
what the hell did that come from? That as a viewer, you feel enthralled to watch, not because you're watching new, crazy, wacky adventures and premises that are happening and unfolding, but you are also witnessing potential critical story beats that keeps you on that fish hook for just a little bit longer that if you just leave this show then you might have missed that episode that answers a few questions that you had that is actually you know worthwhile answers right there is an episode i think it's at the end of season two uh or season three where beth requests her father to make her a clone and so one of them oh will go out and just experience the world for what they want to experience and so then it's the universe exactly and so they finally address it again in the very final episode of season four where one of the versions of beth comes back and rick and nobody else has any idea which one the clone is which clone excuse me which beth smith is the clone and he has no idea is it the beth smith that stayed behind and became the maternal unit of the family or was it the beth smith that became an intergalactic assassin yes. which one and he has no idea and and you find out by it's not just that he like secretly knows they go back in his memory and watch his memories because they have the ability to do that. And he took the the and because he deleted this memory. Yeah, he did, right, right. But they bring it back, and uh, you see him uh, have the original Beth in a giant like vat, and then the clone Beth in the, in the vat right next to it. They look the exact same. He takes the labels off, and then he just like mixes them up so that he doesn't know which is which. And so he literally does not know which is which. And by the way, this wasn't just some like some storyline that they dropped and picked up again later. For all of season four, Beth is wrestling with consistently, am I a clone? Like and She has no idea. Every once in a while, she's just like, oh yeah. And then she has this like, in the same way that Morty every once in a while will be on an adventure and then his like mind will trail off and he'll start thinking about the depressing shit that he's done over the course of the show. Best thing is she's like in the middle of a journey and she will stop and think to herself. Are these real feelings? Yeah. She's like, I, I might not be a real person. There's no way of me really knowing. And that's crazy. It's, it's really And it's clever. kind of funny how much that it like addresses like an ethical right. thing in right. science where like that is the reason why we don't make clones. When, <laughs> when somebody yeah. is a clone, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm like even though like human life and, and like even having a nihilistic point of view of like oh, we're just here to live and then die. That's doubly so when you're a clone, when you're artificially made as science to just uh-huh. live and die like that is your purpose and they even hint at it in one of my favorite moments of the entire series again a just horribly depressing moment because yeah you, you see my brand so <laughs> um so it's whenever uh rick sorry rick has made uh a robot version of summer and morty and Morty uh, and Summer are off on an adventure somewhere else. Oh my god, you're and so right. So, it's, it, ladies and gentlemen, the memories are flooding back into yeah. my mind. And, and, and it, it's, directly, it's directly nodding to Beth's experience. Exactly. Um, that you eventually see in season four. Um, so he like has built these like bulletproof, awesome uh, robot... Uh, versions of uh, uh, Morty and Summer. They are clones essentially as well, but in terms of the AI that uh, exhibits within the minds of these clones, very, 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 very rudimentary. Yeah, right. And and so they're bare bones, but they're very accurate in terms of like small talk. So basically they can sit there at dinner and look like the kids even though they're not. And so um, after dinner one time, the mom is just like, okay, love you guys. And then... You see Morty's robot turn around and he goes, 
I love you too. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Oh, I want to feel these feelings. No, I can't feel these feelings. No, but I have to feel these feelings. I know I'm not supposed to, but I need to. I want to be a real boy. I want to hug you, mother. I want to run yeah. through a stream butt naked. I want to have these experiences, the feelings. And then he gets shut off immediately. And then he, and then he like just kind of, and then he, and he's like rebooting. <laughs> See you, mother. Love you too. And then he leaves. <laughs> and the mom's just sitting there and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> so smart and it's exactly it's exactly a nod to Beth's eventual experience with the whole oh my god am I actually feeling these feelings I don't know if I am but I want to this show never has to look at a serious not even it doesn't even have to be serious but just character dilemmas right like actual character dilemmas and actual character conflict that the show go through, go, that this show goes through. Excuse me, and a lot of this show is Rick simply being there addresses a problem, and actually wedges between you know two people. So like a really good example is Beth and Jerry's marriage, and so Rick being there sort of addresses the problem. Hey, this marriage is completely dysfunctional, and Rick also helps ruin that marriage, and. I think I really, really appreciate the show because of that. That the show never has to be that. That this show can just be a bunch of poopy fart jokes because that's also so much of Adult Swim too. Like it's not the most highfalutin, clever of comedy, right? It's just silly stuff that you put on really late at night, maybe with a group of friends. You might be drinking, maybe you know, smoking out of a bowl or something. Don't do that, kids. And. <laughs> You're just watching the show and you're like, eh, whatever. But I appreciate the show immensely for kind of dabbling in both and knowing when, like we said before, knowing when to dip out of those serious situations because they know that what makes this show partially so special is that those little character moments or little diamonds in the rough. They're, they're little nuggets that are hiding mm-hmm. in a beach. Little little uh, needle in a haystack, if you will. Yeah. And so once the audience member finds that needle, they, you know, they reward it. And then immediately, hey, there's another haystack over there. Why don't you go dive into that one? <sighs> Mac, why don't we address the more uh solid of theories that you yeah. wanted to bring up as opposed to this wacky uh mick uh, mick he might as well be mick because morty is rick uh yes this theory that uh morty is rick which i find uh kind of silly and i'm not really sure if that actually leads to anything interesting but with that being said what is the other theory that you want to bring up yeah the, 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 the theory being that at some point, uh, Morty is going to, uh, or that that Morty is already in cahoots with Evil Morty. I wasn't listening. Oh no, no, it's fine, it's fine. No, no. Well, I, I only like really touched on it earlier, but to, to dive deeper, the theory is that it's not only that he's eventually going to pair up with Evil Morty, but our the Mortys of Mortys is going to actually he already is in cahoots with the evil morty and he is just uh trying to get as close to rick as possible so that he infiltrates rick at an emotional level because that's the only weak spot of the rickest rick is that there are is is that like he has this emotional shell that he's placed around himself but morty just breaks it down bit by bit by bit and then all of a sudden Rick cares about him because we have seen Rick the only thing he cares about and the only thing that that has any sort of value to him mm-hmm. is Morty and that comes up several times you know and sometimes Morty tries to really pull it out of Rick exactly and Rick is not budging and so the theory is that maybe the reason that he's trying to pull it out of him is because the more that Rick cares about him the more control Morty has Subsequently, the more control Evil Morty has. Because Evil Morty has kind of surfaced as a potentially series-lasting antagonist. Yes, I mean, they look at it. It's actually kind of one of my favorite episodes. Sometimes I don't really care for when a show goes meta, but this episode goes so, so, so incredibly meta. Is it like the Dome of 
Morty's? No, not oh. quite. It is the episode in season four. It is called Never Ricking Morty, and it is an episode that it it's Rick and Morty on a train, but everything on that train is analogous to sort of, I guess, like plot points and narrative storytelling and how Rick and Morty, these two characters, are also actively trying to break out of the sort of contrived narrative that you would expect, right? And so the biggest of those contrived narratives is this giant face-off with Rick and Morty against evil Morty in this giant army. And it's very clear... I think, at least to me, maybe I shouldn't say very clear, but I feel as if the writers are like, hey, look, this is the easy way out. This is the easy way of us trying to build up an expectation of Evil Morty is going to be big bad and there's going to be a big giant battle between these two because this is like an anime, right? And immediately Rick and Morty are like, this is actually really, really stupid. Let's not do that at all. Uh, and let's, because of how dumb this is and how cliche it is, let's actually have the power of Christ uh, to save us from this situation in order to oh get out God, of this I silly totally storytelling. About that. Yeah. And so I think it's also kind of the writer saying in that episode, hey, we very well could do this. We are actively choosing not to because that is not what makes this show this show. Yeah. That this show is constantly sort of setting up expectations and simultaneously doing exactly as you expected, but also breaking them in every sense of the word. Yeah. And that is what this show keeps on doing time in and time out. Yeah. So I, I think what speaks to that theory that you brought up that Morty is in cahoots with evil Morty, right? I think it's at least possible because I what the show does well is that you never really know where it's going yeah. in terms of its storytelling. And so it is very possible for one avenue of the story for Morty to completely turn against Rick because he has every reason to. But there's also a completely plausible avenue too where Morty would Never turn against Rick. Yeah. Because he is the Mortiest of Mortys and he's the Rickiest of Ricks. Right. And they would, and the bond between Rick and Morty is inseparable. And let me tell you, that's like the running joke is that they stare at each other and they're like, it's going to last forever, Morty. It's going to last forever. And then Morty's just like seizing on the ground or whatever, like they do at the end of every season. Exactly. Um, So uh, there's one thing that I see on your notepad that we haven't gotten to yet that Uh I really, really need you to explain. Okay. Uh, And it's going to be your gold medal. My gold medal is very easy, at least to me, because even when I first watched this show with a group of friends a few years ago, the first three seasons, and then I rewatched it these past couple of weeks, the first three seasons, plus the fourth season... It is very, very strong to me that my gold medal is the actor that plays as Jerry, Chris Parnell. And I suppose it's also mostly just Jerry because I, for some reason, um, I love the straight man. The straight man, I don't literally love straight men. (laughs) I love bringing them out. (laughs) uh, The straight man... In comedic purposes, is sort of somebody who is kind of there to like connect with the audience, right? So something as crazy as this show where you have this completely selfish, insane individual that is Rick and this really, really insecure but kind of quirky and strange and awkward character that is Morty. But they're kind of hard to relate to. As opposed to Jerry, who's a lot easier to relate to because of how boring he is. Yes. And so, mind you, the show does constantly make jokes about how lame and how much of a loser Jerry is. And they kind of make that joke every single episode. There was one episode at one point that I kind of wasn't really paying attention. And Summer, who I already said is Morty's sister, insulted her father. And I wasn't really paying attention. And my roommate, Sam... 
was like, hey, that was actually a really sick burn. You should rewind. And I'm like, it's probably just him making, I mean, excuse me, her making fun of Jerry, which happens every episode, but fine. And I mean, it's exactly that, right? Like it's it's hitting every note that yeah, they need right. to hit to make Jerry an absolute effing loser right. uh, throughout this show. But that's also why I love Jerry so much. Yeah, that yeah, how yeah. much of an immense loser he is that he sort of harkens back to the sitcom dad, but it's this version of the sitcom dad that is also completely effing useless. Right. That is the worst part to the family dynamic. That yeah. is an absolute coward. He has no idea what he's doing more than half the time. Yeah. And, and it's very relatable else, in that way, though. Yes. Yes. And especially, like, when you... I mean, listen, if you in reality were next to somebody like Rick and were next to somebody like Morty, maybe you wouldn't be as much of a loser as Jerry, but you'd certainly be as confused as Jerry with how to solve problems. And when I can imagine when your wife is constantly choosing her neglectful father over you, I'm sure that could also be very, very confusing. Yeah, right, Like, this man clearly has no capacity for love. Right. And yet you are constantly turning into him, and you refuse to acknowledge it. And, and, like, he is genuinely so uh, stubborn and um, ignorant that they actually depend on him to be that way and to be this loser in order for the the story to move along or in order for things to make sense for them. So, for instance, uh, there's an episode where uh, Rick and Morty and Summer freeze time and have like a like like a fantastic like several years. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Um, you're about to say, say years. years. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. But it was two months. You're right. And um, they have like a, a good ass time. And then, but they trash the place, and so they have to like clean everything back up, and then unfreeze time. And when they unfreeze time, they did everything right, except they accidentally put Jerry's shirt on backwards. And so he's walking up the stairs, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, we're about to get away with it!" And then the mom is like, "Jerry's your shirt on backwards?" And they start pissing their pants. They're like, yeah. "Oh no!" They're like, "Oh my gosh! Oh oh, it's all up! Like they're gonna know that something's up." And then Jerry just turns around and is like, "I know that. I like it that way." And, <laughs> and walks up the stairs because he's so he wants so bad to seem smarter than he is because he's insecure about his intelligence because his wife's dad is the smartest man in the in the universe. And is always the biggest asshole in the room. Yeah. And so he wants to feel like he has and control Everybody over loves Rick and he will never understand that. Right. Which, I, how can you blame him? Yeah. Oh my god. And that's kind of why I love his character so much. That he is simultaneous. Oh my god. What just happened to my throat? No, Are you just okay? Like clenched. Don't need to call it was like, you know those locks in like the Panama Canal? That's sort of what happened. <laughs> oh my that god. Just, <laughs> And, and it just stopped, and that ship is stuck right there. That's partially why I, not partially, entirely why I love Jerry is he is simultaneously this straight man, and also he's just just complete moronic loser. Yeah. And how seriously he takes every situation, and. It's fun, at least for me, sometimes to love the character that everybody in the show hates. And it's sometimes you look at Jerry and it's like, how can you not love that guy? Like, you just want to pinch his cheek sometimes. And that is why I love Jerry and I love Chris Parnell's interpretation of that character because it's to such a point I cannot imagine any other voice or actor being that role. Yeah. It's this sort of voice that has this commanding tone to it. Like, I can lead a room, but how this voice sort of leaks and reeks in this lack of self-confidence simultaneously. It is immaculate. How it just... And it exudes off the screen. And I think it, it does an incredibly good job when the show... With how it approaches Jerry's character, I 
I, I can understand that, and I can see why that would be a gold medal performance for you. That that's such a special uh, performance and character that 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 really kept the show glued together for you. I I, I can understand that. Um, so in in closing, what are your final thoughts on Rick and Morty thus far, and uh, how you think they're going to take the show? In the future, which I'm sure is going to be several years before we get the next season. Sometimes this show, I do think, is kind of boring because the jokes themselves are not very good. The show gets stronger later on. I think we should have addressed this earlier, but I think season two is pretty weak. And I think a big part of that is like a lot of season two has these like wacky songs in it. And the songs are really, really bad. Yeah. And so it just sucks to hear them because not only are they... Not funny, but they're also just not fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, but the let's, show... Let's call a spade a spade. Get Swifty. Get Swifty is a really bad episode. Mm. Get Swifty is just a bad episode. I might agree And with you. the only parts of that episode that is strong is all of a sudden Ice-T is actually an alien. Ice-T. Um, from Alphabetron or something. Yeah. Or he's actually Water-T. Yeah. That's the only thing that holds... That glues that episode together right and, and it's not the get swifty song that all the cool kids are singing huh, i love rick and morty get swifty raise the posterior i hate those people oh yeah which is we know a lot we know a lot yeah and it's an issue and if you're one of those people uh you should stop that please yeah. um because look the show is funny um but it's not funny when you shove it down my throat like a pickle rick like a pickle rick nice. a pick so um, but that being said, I think the show was best appreciated when you were watching it with a group of people. Uh, I think the show isn't as strong the second time you view it because uh, the jokes are really good the first time and the shock value is very good the first time. And they sort of lose its luster a second time because the jokes themselves are not incredibly clever. And a lot of it is shock value. Sure. But with that being said, I think this show does an incredible job in uh telling comedy and have really interesting underlying themes and story beats and having writers that absolutely know what the hell this show is uh and they definitely really find their footing in the third and fourth season where this is a show that is shit and we love it for that and when we want to tell like an actual meaningful slash serious story, we'll tell that for 30 seconds and we'll immediately dip because that's what this show is. Yep. And if you expect anything different, that's on you. Sure. Um, so I will probably keep watching uh, the fifth season whenever, you know, the next few seasons come out. I'm not sort of at the edge of my seat for it. Um, but I still appreciate the stupid artistry that is with this show. Mac, what are your closing thoughts with how it relates to Rick and Morty? Um, I think that I'm definitely excited for season five, and I, and I am at the edge of my seat purely because of uh, one person, and that is Dan Harmon. Um, we hardly even address that. Yeah, I know. But I, I will say that, I, I mean, I have talked about Dan Harmon on the show before, and uh, to briefly sum up my, my, my viewpoint on Dan Harmon, I think that even though he is not the absolute best, especially in terms of dialogue, but in terms of ideas, just simply ideas and concept writing, he is the best that I can think of. He is maybe the most creative and free writer working today. I really, really do believe that. He does not give a shit and will do literally whatever he wants. And it's uh, amazing. I, I, I really do think that that's difficult to find these days. And I, yeah, I, I tip my hat to that. Purely, purely knowing that he is going to be attached to it and he is going to be a part of the writing process and that he's never going to stop being a part of the writing process, I will always be interested in the crazy shit that he conjures up in his mind. It is incredibly impressive when you see a creative storytelling team that has these stupid, stupid situations and the conflict is very, very real yeah. for some of these characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is the king of that. I mean, if you look at community, yeah. if you look at this... and. Uh, 
and and every movie that he's ever been a part of, it's um, it's consistently absolutely insane. I've never even thought of that or considered that as a possibility type of situations, but rooted in all of the technique that we know and love that that we were you know that we were brought up with. Um, yeah, and and that's always impressive to me and exciting. So I, I that that's why I'm going to stay invested. Um, now, uh, moving on to next week, I think it's fair to say. I mean, we we're going to look at the season four yeah, we have to. of The Wire. We're almost done. We're almost there. Season three was really strong. Oh yeah. Coincidentally, both Mac and I have yet to start it. That snowstorm last week. Uh, I know I'm dating this podcast. Uh, did not help our situation when it True. comes to uh, viewing pleasures. But now. We can Pleasures. really get this show on the road. So, thank you. And thank you. Thank you. No, stop it. No, no you stop, stop it. Stop. Thank you. <laughs>